Chapter 14 of Pollyanna's Jewels. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by T.R. Love of Pleasant Hill, California. Pollyanna's Jewels by Harriet Loomis Smith. Chapter 14. Pollyanna Prescribes. Jamie and Sadie had been abroad about a year. Pollyanna had heard from them both frequently, though as a rule their communications had been confined to picture postcards with a hurried message scrawled beneath Mont Blanc or across the Bay of Naples. Their occasional letters had made no mention of homecoming, and when one morning Pollyanna's telephone rang shortly after Jimmy's departure, she took down the receiver, fully prepared to inform her butcher that the beefsteak he had sent her the previous day had not been satisfactory. But it was not the butcher on the wire. Instead, a familiar voice said, Hello, Pollyanna. Do you know who this is? Pollyanna started so violently that she almost dropped the receiver. But there was not the least doubt in her mind as to the speaker's identity. Sadie, she shrieked ecstatically, you darling old globetrotter, where in the world are you? Oh, here at Aunt Ruth's. Only Boston. I didn't know but you were calling up from London or Tokyo. Why didn't you let me know you were coming? Think of all the fun I might have had expecting you. Pollyanna, said the distant voice, and all at once it had become very serious. I want to have a talk with you. Well, I should hope so. Do you realize how long it is since we settled down for a good long talk? I have a million things to tell you and a million more to ask you. I can hardly wait to hear about your trip. Yes, dear, I know. For a moment, Pollyanna was vaguely aware of a plaintive cadence in Sadie's voice. But the fact is, I want to ask your advice about something. Are you going to be home this morning? Yes, indeed. Well, Aunt Ruth has a full day here. Pollyanna smiled understandingly as she listened. And Jamie is going somewhere with Uncle John. And I think I'll run out and have a cozy talk with you without anyone around. Perfect. Tell me the train you'll take and I'll meet it. Nonsense, Sadie laughed. I'll find you without any trouble. And as for trains, I'm going to take the first I can get and the chances are I'll be at your door before you're ready for me. The playful prophecy was literally fulfilled. What with putting the house in order and planning the day's meals and giving the baby a bath and disciplining Jiggs for burying a dog biscuit in an especially flourishing fern and putting a clean frock on Judy and interviewing a book agent who was determined to sell her a 25-volume edition of the world's best literature, simplified so as to appeal to childish minds, Pollyanna had become a little disheveled by the time the doorbell rang. It was part of Nancy's ritual to change her gingham apron for a white one and to do a little primping before the mirror before answering the doorbell. So without waiting for the conclusion of this rather protracted ceremony, Pollyanna dashed down the stairs flung the door wide, and rushed into the arms of an immaculately attired Sadie. They hugged each other hard and long, stood back a moment looking each other over, and then indulged in a little more hugging. 
You look perfectly scrumptious, Pollyanna declared, her cheek pressed close to Sadie's. A Paris tailor and milliner, I suppose. Why, yes, I believe they are. Well, come upstairs and take your things off and inspect my babies. Junior's at kindergarten, so you'll have to wait a little to see him. In the fall, he'll start in the first grade. I declare, when I think of it, I feel almost elderly. That's Judy peeking out of the nursery door. She's been talking about Aunt Sadie ever since you called up. Sadie made short work of removing her wraps, and her admiration of the children came as near as was humanly possible to measuring up to Pollyanna's expectations. The baby was adorable, coquetting shamelessly with the stranger, squeezing her long lashes against her cheek, and then lifting them just enough to admit of casting shy glances in Sadie's direction. In fact, Sadie became so engrossed with the baby that Pollyanna found it necessary to draw her attention to Judy's charms. She flattered herself that she was being a model of discretion and was somewhat taken aback when presently Judy pulled her sleeve and said in a low voice, Tell her what I said about the holiday, mother. What's that, dear? Mother doesn't understand. Don't you remember? I asked you if we could holler on holidays. You told Daddy, and Daddy laughed. Pollyanna gasped. She remembered very clearly her amusement over the inquiry, propounded by Judy on one of the winter holidays, and she knew she alone was to blame for the complacent air with which Judy waited to hear the recital of this proof of her cleverness. Pollyanna smoothed the shining curls and smiled ruefully. Some other time, dear, she said, and Judy did not insist though she evidently wondered why her mother should fail to take advantage of so excellent a chance to entertain their visitor. Not until Sadie had exhausted the superlatives of the English language and was beginning to fall back on some of the foreign phrases she had acquired during her travels did Pollyanna recall that Sadie had wished to consult her on some matter of importance. Let's go into my bedroom, she suggested. I need to fix my hair, and I'm going to change my dress for luncheon in your honor. No, Judy, she continued checking her small daughter, who had attached herself to Sadie, and was evidently prepared to accompany them. No, darling, you have to stay here to take care of little sister. Judy's brow, shattered for a moment by a frustrated purpose, cleared as she realized the honor of her responsibility. I'll read to her, she announced, and taking a book from the table, she seated herself in a diminutive rocking chair and began with a big sing-song. T'was a ninety-four Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Pollyanna laughed as Sadie expressed her amazement at such precocity. The book she's reading from is Little Lord Fauntleroy, but the text makes no difference to Judy. She can read just as entertaining selections from the dictionary as from anything else. Aunt Polly was terribly shocked one day when she found her reading Tom Tom the Piper's Son from the Psalms held upside down. She must have a wonderful memory. Yes, she has, agreed Judy's mother proudly, and then she added with a laugh, but as far as that goes, Sadie, all children have wonderful memories. 
When I realize what Junior and Judy have learned in these few short years, I'm lost in admiration. Pollyanna checked herself with an effort. She had been on the point of enlarging on the fascinating theme, but again she remembered that Sadie had suggested some especial reason for rushing out from Boston the first day of her arrival. Poor Sadie had not had a square deal. She had not been allowed to so much as mention her travels, but so far had spent her time admiring Pollyanna's wonderful children and hearing further proof of their unusual qualities from a witness the hypercritical might regard as prejudiced. Her face almost stern from the effort of repression, Pollyanna set her teeth over the confidences that crowded to her lips and waited for Sadie to take her turn. But Sadie seemed in no hurry. She sat for some time, neither moving nor speaking, her gaze bent on the rug. But when at last she spoke, she discharged her secret as if she had been firing a rifle. Pollyanna, I'm going to be a mother. Pollyanna dropped her brush and spun about. Oh, Sadie, she cried joyously. How glad I am. How happy you and Jamie must be. And then she stopped with a sense of recoil, as if she had been running in the dark and had come up hard against a stone wall. Why, Sadie, she probed, what is it? Is anything wrong? Sadie smiled faintly. No, nothing's wrong exactly. What do you mean by that? Aren't you well? Yes, indeed, I'm all right. But Pollyanna, don't you see? Sadie's voice had become almost fretful. Don't you see? It's different with me from what it is with many women. No, I don't see at all. Well, it's Jamie. Do you mean, stammered Pollyanna, horrified, that he's not glad? Oh, he seems very pleased. But I'm afraid he doesn't realize what it's going to mean to him. In the years since we've been married, Jamie has been my first consideration. I've hardly had a thought, said Sadie, speaking in a low voice, yet with a curious suggestion of passion, except what was for Jamie's comfort and convenience and happiness. And now things will have to be different. I should think so, Pollyanna agreed, and then she added, After all, isn't it time Jamie grew up? Grew up? Sadie's air of rigid self-control was replaced by indignant protest. Why, I don't know what you mean. If you don't think Jamie is as much a man as Jimmy or anybody else, Pollyanna interrupted this wifely defense by putting her arm about Sadie's shoulders and giving her an affectionate squeeze. I was devoted to Jamie, my dear, before you ever saw him. You don't need to tell me that he's fine, but I do say that he's never really grown up, and it's largely your fault. Now listen, she insisted, as Sadie showed a disposition to interrupt. It's the natural thing for a child to feel itself the center of the universe. The baby, bless her heart, takes it for granted that she comes first, and if she doesn't get instant attention, she makes a fuss. Now that's the child of it, and that's the attitude you've encouraged in Jamie. Pollyanna, that's absurd. It's only that Jamie has needed me more than most husbands need their wives. It's partly because of his lameness, but not altogether. Ignoring Sadie's interruption as if she had not spoken, Pollyanna continued, I noticed the change in Judy as soon as the baby was born. 
Don't you see? You can't feel yourself the center of everything when there's somebody smaller and frailer and more helpless than yourself to think and plan for. Junior, with his two baby sisters, is getting to be a real little man. And I tell you, it's what Jamie needs. You can thank your lucky star the baby is coming in time. Ten years more of what you've been giving him might have spoiled him, but as yet it's not too late for him to change. She found it necessary to pause for breath, and Sadie seized this opportunity. Pollyanna, she objected, there's something you're not taking into account. Jamie is, well, I won't say he's a genius, though that has been said by a number of people, but he has the sensitiveness of an artist. He is temperamental, and you can't judge temperamental people as you do nice, wholesome, matter-of-fact fellows like, well, like Jimmy. Seems to me, retorted Pollyanna, that all the temperamental people I've ever known were simply childish. They were changeable, just as children are, and give in to their moods, just as children do, instead of trying to control them. But artists have an advantage over the rest of us, they give the world so much pleasure that it doesn't ask for anything else. That's why so many of them are Peter Pans. Sadie started what seemed a rather indignant expostulation, choked, stopped short, put her handkerchief to her eyes, and finally found herself crying against Pollyanna's shoulder. Then, then you think it will be all right, she sobbed. The rightest thing that ever happened. Listen, Sadie, don't you remember... When we went camping that summer you spent in Beldingsville so long ago, I wanted to keep Jamie from helping carry boxes and do the other hard things. And you showed me what a mistake I was making, and that Jamie was a lot happier when he was helping like the rest of us. Yes, whispered Sadie in a muffled voice, I remember. Well, I'm giving you back the lesson you gave me. Let Jamie take his share of the hard things, as other fathers do. Don't shield him and spare him and make a child of him. Let him do his part as a man and a father, and you and he are both going to be happier than you've ever been. When Sadie again lifted her face, it was glowing. Oh, Pollyanna, she burst out, you've helped me so much. I envied you. Today, when I saw you with your children, I was tempted to wish that the man I married, instead of being so gifted, was just a plain, ordinary, good fellow, like, well, like thousands and thousands. But if you think we can be happy in spite of everything, Pollyanna's reassurance was a little slow in coming. She suspected that Sadie's plain, ordinary, good fellow stood in Sadie's thoughts for Jimmy. And indeed, that Jimmy's name had been on the tip of her tongue until, from motives of policy, she had offered this thinly disguised substitute. For a moment, Pollyanna was strongly tempted to explain that Jimmy was quite as wonderful, in his way, as the most talented of Jamie's craft, to say nothing of Jamie himself. And then she forgot her vague resentment at the sight of Sadie's red eyes. A smile breaking through, like a golden sunset after a wet day. The two young women sat with their arms about each other, discussing subjects so absorbing that they were quite unaware of the flight of time, and the call to luncheon finally found Pollyanna with her hair still hanging over her shoulders.
When Pollyanna told Jimmy of the counsel she had given, Jimmy chuckled. That's all right, he said, but if Sadie were as well acquainted with you as I am, she'd know you think a baby is the best cure for all husbands and wives, no matter what ails them. Your invariable prescription is one small baby. Repeat dose if necessary. P. Pendleton, M.D. Pollyanna looked at him defiantly. I don't care, she said. I do think it's almost a panacea. If a baby doesn't cure one of being selfish and inconsiderate and silly and frivolous, I don't know what will. There are some people who are hopeless cases, I suppose, but if there's a bit of good in anybody, a baby will find it. As far as Jamie is concerned, it's going to be the making of him. That is, if Sadie doesn't insist on being father and mother and leaving him nothing to do. That's the real danger. In that case, Jimmy suggested, we'll hope for twins. End of chapter 14